and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast. Today's readings are in Genesis chapter 2, Ezra chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, and Acts chapter 2. And we're going to ask the question, what exactly it was Pentecost anyway? So, I'm your host, Chase Thompson. I'm the pastor of Valley Baptist Church in the Salinas Monterey area. We're at 320 Church Street. So, if you're in Central California, come visit us on a Sunday morning. Today, we have some incredibly significant Bible passages to read, and one that is going to be really difficult, filled with some of those Bible names that we Americans really struggle to pronounce. Matthew chapter 2 is going to detail for us the visit of the wise men, the Magi, with Jesus when he was really, really young, as well as wicked Herod's attempts to snuff out the life of Jesus by killing all male Bethlehem children who were two years age of and younger. In response to the threats against them, Joseph, the father of Jesus and husband of Mary, leads his family into exile, where they're going to stay for a while, and we don't know exactly how long, somewhere in the neighborhood of two years or less. And we know this because Herod died around 4 BC. And I know that's kind of weird because the thing about it is, and we'll talk about this a little bit at the end of the podcast, and you can check out the blog post on BibleReadingPodcast.com to understand this a little more, but Jesus was likely born sometime between 6 B.C. and 4 B.C. So it's possible that Jesus and his family only sojourned in Egypt for a few weeks or months, but it could have been up to two years. Like I said, we'll cover that a little bit more later on. Uh, We're also going to read Genesis chapter 2, which is a detailed description of the creation of man and woman and God's first verbal interactions with them, which in this case comes in the form of a command. They may eat from any tree in the Garden of Eden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, by the way, in case you didn't know, there was more than one named tree in the Garden of Eden. There was, of course, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they were not allowed to eat from, but there was also the tree of life, which apparently Adam and Eve could freely partake of. And D.A. Carson, in his commentary on this passage from uh, his book, For the Love of God, says this, In the beginning, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. The sexual arena stands at the forefront, of course, yet there is a symbol-laden depth to this pronouncement. It is a way of saying that there was no guilt, there was nothing to be ashamed of. This happy innocence meant openness and utter candor. There was nothing to hide, whether from God or from each other. How different it was after the fall. The man and the woman hide from God and they blame others. The candor has gone. The innocence has dissipated. The openness has closed. These are the immediate effects of the first sin. We'll also read Ezra chapter 2, which, as I said, is a very difficult read in the Bible. But first up, we're going to read Acts chapter 2, which sees the disciples of Jesus, men and women, gathered together in prayer and seeking to be clothed with power from on high, which was Jesus' command to them in Luke 24. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes on them in a powerful, obvious way, and they are speaking in other languages or tongues. They proclaim the good news of Jesus to thousands of Jewish people and foreigners 
3,000 of those respond to the message, and the day of Pentecost becomes the birthday of the church. This is our featured passage of the day, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, from the Christian Standard Bible. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and Judah, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and converts, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongue. They were all astounded and perplexed, and they were saying to each other, what does this mean? But some of them sneered and said, Ah, they're drunk on new wine. Verse 14, But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. Brothers and sisters, says Peter, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. 
He was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That is the word of the Lord, Acts chapter 2. That Acts passage is very powerful, and it shows how God formed the church out of the followers of Jesus, men and women who were all evangelists on that first day, pouring out of the street with tongues of fire on their heads, speaking in tongues, proclaiming the great glories of Jesus and how he was sent by God, killed by men, raised to life. What a powerful message from Peter and an amazing response from the early church. They met daily, morning and night, loving on each other, sharing everything in common, loving the Lord and being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorites, has written about this passage in one of his uh, devotionals called Morning and Evening, and I think almost the whole thing is worth being read today. And it says this, Rich were the blessings of this day of Pentecost if all of us were filled with the Holy Ghost. The consequences of this sacred filling of the soul, it would be impossible to overestimate. Life, comfort, light, purity, power, peace, and many other precious blessings are inseparable from the Spirit's good presence. As sacred oil, he anoints the head of the believer, sets him apart to the priesthood of saints, and gives him grace to execute his office properly. As the only true purifying water, he cleanses us from the power of sin and sanctifies us into holiness, working in us to will and to do the Lord's good pleasure. As the light, he manifested to us at 
first our lost estate. And now he reveals the Lord Jesus to us and in us and guides us in the way of righteousness. Enlightened by his pure celestial ray, we are no more darkness but light in the Lord. As fire, he both purges us from impurities and sets our consecrated nature on a blaze. He is the sacrificial flame by which we are enabled to offer our whole souls as a living sacrifice unto God. As heavenly dew, he removes our barrenness and fertilizes our lives. Oh, that he would drop from above upon us at this early hour. Such morning dew would be a sweet commencement for the day. As the dove, with wings of peaceful love, he broods over his church and over the souls of believers. And as a comforter, he dispels the cares and doubts which mar the peace of his beloved. He descends upon the chosen as upon the Lord in Jordan, and bears witness to their sonship by working in them a brotherly, sonly spirit, and bears witness to their sonship by working in them a sonly spirit by which they cry, Abba, Father. Great words there from Charles Spurgeon. Now, our question of the day is, what exactly is Pentecost? Most people, when they hear the name, they think of Pentecostal Christians. These are Christians that are, let's say, a little bit more demonstrative in their worship and in their activities than some other Christians. Um, they get after it in their pursuit of the Lord. But the word Pentecost, actually, uh, if you know your Bible a little bit, you might realize that it's connected to this passage in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost when the church was born. But even before that, Pentecost was a thing. Pentecost is the Greek name for a Hebrew festival called called Shavuot, and it was instituted by God all the way back in the book of Exodus, long time ago. The focus of Pentecost, or Shavuot, uh, which is also called the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of the Harvest, was to celebrate God's provision of wheat and early uh, other early harvested crops to his people. Deuteronomy 16 verse 9 tells us a little bit of details about uh, Pentecost or Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks. And in that passage in verse 9, it says, You are to count seven weeks, counting the weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain. You are to celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God with a free will offering that you give in proportion to how the Lord your God has blessed you. Rejoice before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to have his name dwell. You, your son and daughter, your male and female servant, the Levite within your city gates, as well as the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Carefully follow these statutes. Now, time-wise, Pentecost, Shavuot usually occurs sometimes between May and June of our current calendar year, and it's still celebrated by many of the Jewish people. They uh, usually listen to or read through the Book of Ruth on Shavuot because uh, it, the Book of Ruth 
is set during harvest time and Shavuot or Pentecost is a harvest festival and they enjoy a feast, sometimes a day feast and a night feast. Usually that feast is going to have meat and normal kind of feast things, but there's going to be a special emphasis on dairy items like treats made out of cheese, like cheese blintzes and things like that. So I have never actually celebrated a Jewish Shavuot, but reading about it kind of makes me want to. So that is all about Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost. And we have some more passages to read for today. But if you're leaving us now and not, and you're going to read these passages on your own, I'll just say God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with more reading for the rest of us. This is Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 from the Christian Standard Bible. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. At the time that the Lord God made the earth and heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out from Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, which flows through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Gold from that land is pure. Bedillium and Onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon, which flows through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which runs east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sea and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. Ezra 2 verse 1. These now are the people of the prophets who came from these captive exiles King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had deported to Babylon. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, 
each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Realiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigval, Rehum, and Banah. The number of Israelite men included Parosh's descendants, 2,172, Shephatiah's descendants, 372, Arah's descendants, 775, Pahath Moab's descendants, Jeshua and Joab's descendants, 2,812, Elam's descendants, 1,254, Zatu's descendants, 945. Zakai's descendants, 760. Bani's descendants, 642. Babai's descendants, 623. Asgad's descendants, 1,222. Adonikam's descendants, 666. Bigval's descendants, 2,056. Aden's descendants, 454. Atter's descendants of Hezekiah, 98. Bazai's descendants, 323. Jorah's descendants, 112. Hashem's descendants, 223. Gibar's descendants, 95. Bethlehem's people, 123. Netaphah's men, 56. Anathoth's men, 128. Asmaveth's people, 42. Kiriath. Tharim's, Chephira's, and Beeroth's people, 743. Ramaz and Geba's people, 621. Michmas's men, 122. Bethel's and Ai's men, 223. Nebo's people, 52. Magbish's people, 156. The other Elam's people, 1,254. Haram's people, 320. Lod's, Hadid's, and Ono's people, 725. Jericho's people, 345. Sana'a's people, 3,630. The priests included Jediah's descendants of the house of Jeshua, 973. Emmer's descendants, 1,052, Pasher's descendants, 1,247, and Haram's descendants, 1,017. The Levites included Jeshua's and Cadmiel's descendants from Hodaviah's descendants, 74. The singers included Asaph's descendants, 128. The gatekeeper's descendants included Shalom's descendants, Atur's descendants, Talman's descendants, Akub's descendants, Hatida's descendants, Shobai's descendants, in all, 139. The temple servants included Ziha's descendants, Hasufa's descendants, Tabaoth's descendants, Keros's descendants, Siaha's descendants, Padon's descendants, Lebanon's descendants, I'm sorry, Lebanon's descendants, Hagabah's descendants, Akub's descendants, Hagab's descendants, Shalmai's descendants, Hanan's descendants, Gedel's descendants, Gahar's descendants, Riaha's descendants, Rezin's descendants, Nakoda's descendants, Gazim's descendants, Uzzah's descendants, Pasea's descendants, Bazai's descendants, Asna's descendants, Meunim's descendants, Nefusim's descendants, Bakbok's descendants, Hakufa's descendants, 
Barhur's descendants, Basluth's descendants, Mehida's descendants, Harsha'a's descendants, Barkos's descendants, Sisera's descendants, Turna's descendants, Naziah's descendants, and Hatifa's descendants. Whew. Verse 55. The descendants of Solomon's servants included Sotai's descendants, Hasopharath's descendants, Peruda's descendants, Jalala's descendants, Darkon's descendants, Gedai's descendants, Shephatiah's descendants, Hatil's descendants, Pakarath Hazabaam's descendants, and Ami's descendants. All the temple servants and the descendants of Solomon's servants were 392. The following are those who came from Telmala, Telharsha, Cherub, Adan, and Emmer, but were unable to prove that their ancestral families and their lineage were Israelites. Delia's descendants, Tobias' descendants, Nakoda's descendants, 652. And from the descendants of the priests, the descendants of Hobiah, the descendants of Hakoz, the descendants of Barzillai, who had taken a wife from the daughters of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and who bore that name, these searched for their entries in the genealogical records, but they could not be found. So they were disqualified from the priesthood. The governor ordered them not to eat the most holy things until there was a priest who could consult the Urim and Thummim. The whole combined assembly numbered 42,360, not including their 7,337 male and female servants and their 200 male and female singers. They had 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. After they arrived at the Lord's house in Jerusalem, some of the family heads gave free will offerings for the house of God in order to have it rebuilt on its original site. Based on what they could give, they gave 61,000 gold coins, 6,250 pounds of silver, and 100 priestly garments to the treasury for the project. The priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, temple servants, and some of the people settled in their towns, and the rest of Israel settled in their towns. Wow, what a mouthful. I have never preached a sermon on Ezra chapter 2, even though I've been in ministry for almost 25 years now, and I don't anticipate doing so in the future, but I will tell you this passage shows how important genealogical records are to the children of Israel and why it's important that Matthew and Luke both included the genealogical record of Jesus in their Gospels. For these people, a genealogy was a resume, and so that made it very, very important. And this is more of a census than a genealogy, but you can tell from verse 62 in particular how important that those genealogical records are. Today's final reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and asked them where the Christ would be born. 
In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled, because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. And that is the word of the Lord. Today we read through Genesis 2. Ezra 2, Matthew 2, and Acts 2. And since some of those passages were kind of long, we've gone long today. So I'm going to close with this. Thank you for listening. Please check out the website for show notes and for notes on the scripture and for that discussion of time I mentioned earlier. The website is Bible Reading Podcast. We will be back with you tomorrow to read Genesis 3, Ezra 3, Matthew 3, and Acts chapter 3. Thank you for listening. Please share it with your friends. Farewell.